0: This is what I'm feeling like, you know, something's broken in your life and God would fix it, but you won't let go. You know, my kids were, uh, sometimes we come to church and we're like, I wish God would get more upset with my problems. Like, oh, this is a big deal. My marriage, my past, my teenager, my finances, this is a big deal, God. And God's like, well, not to me though. And we don't like that. Sometimes we're like, well, that... My kids used to bring me toys when they were young. Uh, I, have, I have four girls, uh, so they didn't break a lot of toys. They broke minds. Psychological warfare. But they bring a toy to me. You know, the, the biggest thing that they can do if they want their toy fixed, if they want their life fixed, come on, Venue Church, they can't keep their little fingers in there. I, well, my message was always like, okay, so let it go. Like, give it to me. Dad knows what to do. Because... What happens is you come to church, right? So you come to church and you give, start giving your problems to God and you start giving your marriage into God's hands or your kids. You got to let go of your kids, by the way, they're not your kids. They're God's kids. Got to let them go into venue kids. You got to let them go on. You got to let them. But the trouble is if you keep your little hands stuck in there and God starts crazy gluing your problems back together, then he's going to get your hands stuck in there too. Then you're going to walk around with your problems on your hands. All right, uh, man, I'm so glad you're a church. Are you, are you here? Look, it's already been two minutes into the sermon. I've hurt your feelings. Um, I'm Pastor Corey, by the way. This is Pastor Aaron. And uh, six years ago, we started this church with a dream. It's not all we had, but it was just about all that we had. And look what God has done. Well, I don't know if you know this. We had a dream. We came here with, with one thing in mind. A life saved is worth everything. And it cost our family a lot of pain to come here. And it cost the people that came with us a lot of pain. I mean, crazy amounts of it. And uh, we said we'd come for one. Well, we baptized like 180 plus, I think, so far. There was one lady who gave her life to Jesus last week. And there was a person who's already done it. A young man already did it. His friend brought him over. Like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it to him. And I'm like, well, my dad does. So I took him over there. And somebody already did it today. It starts with a dream, though. It just starts with a dream. Um, It starts with a dream. We had 104 kids at the youth wind up on Thursday. Like 104, like, oh my. Come on. This is Airdrie. This is not a big place. That's incredible. We uh, secured uh, next door so we can actually uh, handle more kids in VBS as well. And so that's happening in July. So get your kids signed up. It's going to be a limited amount of space still, but it's going to be great. We can do events like Canada Day. We're in the parade. We're doing barbecues. Scan the QR code. Get involved. We have a pig roast, a vegan one, if that's your your jam. Sorry, guys. Don't look at me. we also have a slip and slide coming to that. That's like a church-wide picnic out at uh, the Petka's Farm. And so we invite you to that. I think all the information that you need is on the QR code. The week after, we're doing a big stampede breakfast. And so get involved. Don't just spectate. I'm going to be talking about that a little bit today. All right. Um, my sermon title today is DreamWork Makes the Team Work. Thanks, John. You hear all the time, right? teamwork makes the dream work. Yeah, no, I get it. But you know what? (laughs) Without a dream, you don't need a team. So dream work actually makes the, actually makes the teamwork. I'm going to talk today about something called unity. Uh, Unity is the only way that you're going to win through and climb that mountain that you're facing unity. Unity is the only way to win the war for a city. Unity is the only way to win the war in your home or over your finances or with the people. It's the only way is unity is the only way to build that thing is unity. Now, because you're Canadians, you don't know what unity is. So let me explain it to you. You don't know what that means. You think that unity means agreement. You think unity means that when everybody agrees with your opinions about everything, Because this is like Canadian culture, right? It's like build consensus, build consensus. I think we build so much consensus that by the time we agree on anything, the the denominator is so low that nobody cares anymore. Like, hey, but we're super nice. But we didn't do anything. Agreement is not unity. How do you think that we can have a church full of strong-willed individuals? Some of y'all are like people, people, and you're like, hey, I'm just here to get along. I'm like... I'm here to get some crap done and we get strong willed people together in the same room who don't always agree, but we have unity. Right? Okay. So unity is pretty powerful. I think we spend too much time trying to plan out the perfect plan. Try to Get all the information, you know, you read all the books about marriage. And you get married and realize you don't know anything about marriage. Right? My parents had a great marriage and I'm like, oh, I'm learning by a bunch of my mistakes. You know, you think that you know how to raise kids and you read all the books about children until you have real ones. (laughs) Then you realize who are they writing about? It's not like real kids. There's a lot of people want to consult parent your kids, by the way. You know, what's better? Just look at their kids. You have a 20 year old kid. Oh, come on. Don't shout me down. Venue church. Oh, look, can I just have coffee with your kid who's 20? Before I take your advice about... All right. Is this for somebody else? Without unity, you can't win the war, but it starts with a dream. You know, when I was a kid, we lived in Pasadena for a bit. And I saw all these cars driving by my house. And I had a dream. And I'm like, nobody on this whole block is hitting these cars with sprinklers driving by. And I had a dream. Was it from the Lord? Maybe. And like every dream, dreams can't be accomplished with just the person with the dream, by the way. So every dream needs like um, a foot soldier, a little brother who's kind of expendable. Because look, every commander has got a, needs a foot soldier that gets shot in the face. Now, so I sent my brother out there. I'm like, Ryan, nobody's hitting these cars with a sprinkler. That's our job. That's what we're going to do. And Ryan's like, it is what we're going to, I'm like, it's what you're going to do. And so I sent him out there on the edge of the lawn. So he starts like pointing the sprinkler. It's one of those like, you know, so he starts like pointing it at cars going by. Now, the reason that I had to be in the safety of the porch is because that's where the valve got turned on and commanders are more valuable than foot soldiers. We could always like (laughs) figure out that out, but so I had to turn it on and get the timing. So we tried on a few cars and we didn't get the timing because I had this like steel rod that opened the valve and so I'd like open it up and then I have to shut it down. So we tried it a few times, and then a, a convertible. It's just like an angel just directed this convertible down this side. Beautiful convertible. This guy driving his car. You know, anybody got a nice car they love? And it's just like, oh, the top's down. It's beautiful. It's Los Angeles. Driving down there, and we got him. Just. <laughs> now, this is as far as we have thought about. And then the brake lights came on, and then he backed up. And so mom said the front door slammed open. I went tearing through the house and up the, the orange tree in the backyard. Then the door slammed open again a second later because it took Ryan a little while to come in because Ryan was kind of on the front line there. And then he slammed it because Ryan's an idiot. He went and hid under his bed. And I'm like, well, that's hard to find. I Then there was a... On the door, and uh, my mom got up from the Bible study she was leading. <laughs> Excuse me, ma'am. I don't know if you know this, but your boys are hitting cars with sprinklers. She's like, "Of course they are." And um, you know, I don't want to complain about their parenting, but I I feel like they didn't they didn't get me out of that tree until they were good and done uh, Bible study. I was in that tree a long time, sweating it up stay in that tree. Um, even a terrible plan with a bit of unity can be accomplished. Stop waiting for the perfect plan. There's no perfect plan. You come in here, there's a war for your soul and the souls of the people around you. This is war. There's casualties. It's going to be a mess. Stop waiting for the perfect plan and the perfect picture and the perfect idea and the perfect... People spend way too much time on the plan. You know what's better? is spending time executing the plan and doing it together. Now unity is not agreement in fact unity doesn't even begin un- unity begins where agreement ends have you ever thought about this anybody does what they already agree with in their heads did you know i don't know if you know this but you're like hey when i finally agree with the bible or finally agree with what god how god wants me to live then i'll do it do you know who else says that the devil the devil would do that too. If he agreed with it, you know, God doesn't care if you agree with him or not. He just wants you to obey him so he can bless you. He says, my thoughts aren't your thoughts. Like clearly I've been watching your life and it's not working, Eric. And, and most of Eric's prayers are trying to get God to agree with him so that he feels good. But God wants Eric to watch. Um, Brandon Stewart said in the leading second podcast, Agreement means we share the same opinion. Alignment means we share the same dream. Now, we came here with a dream. You know what we didn't waste a lot of time on? Was getting along with each other. Because that's what we're doing right now. We're substituting the dream for getting along with each other. So... This is what you do. I mean, this is what we spend our entire marriages doing is trying to get Pastor Aaron to agree with my opinions. That's exhausting because she's super stubborn. <laughs> you know, let me say it like this. Let me say it like this. People are going to disagree with you. I don't have to, to see eye to eye with you to walk hand in hand with you to go to the same place. Did you know that? In fact, we can start celebrating the, the differences. You know, I was... Um, I was standing over there last week after the service and Sarah comes up to me. Where's Sarah? What? Sarah, can you put your hand up? Oh, there she is. Okay, everybody stare at Sarah for a second. Sarah's an introvert. She loves this sort of thing. So Sarah says to me, Hey, Pastor, you remember that shirt I was wearing last week? She's like, I actually like your shirt this week. And I'm like, Oh, actually, oh. That's weird. And then she says, I normally with Anita about your outfits. You remember Anita who was, who was, all like, yeah, I don't like that jacket you're wearing today. Remember that, Anita? And I'm like, the two of them have decided to gang up against their pastor. I'm like, really? But you approve of the shirt. And I'm like, well, here's the funny thing. It's like, nobody cares what the two of them think in the church. If you want to know if your outfit is good, talk to Layden. That's odd. I'm like, you like it? You don't like it? I'll go change. I got different shoes. That's not bad. You're like, well, you seem to be giving a lot of street cred to, to Layton. I'm like, it's the only thing he's good at. So like everybody got some. And so I'm thinking like, so they don't like my office. I mean, what, what do you think about this outfit? You know, I said to pastor Aaron, have I shared this already? I said to pastor Aaron, she goes, Oh, I like your, uh, I like your blue sweater this week. And I'm like, yeah, it's just missing some things on the back. And she's like, what? I'm like, pentagrams and the number 666. Were you here last week with a jacket she got me for Father's Day that I can't wear because it's like full of the devil? I'm like, take that thing back. And I asked her this morning, I said, do I get another jacket or do I just not get that jacket? And she's like, well, I got it at the thrift store. So I'm like, what? So you bought a jacket with like the devil on the back that I, now I don't get anything because you... Got a satanic jacket for the pastor? Yeah, I got I got yeah, I got some shoes. That's true. Forgot about that. See, they don't like my outfits, but I'm still their pastor, right? They're just super ungrateful. Here's the thing: conflict is not the enemy if you share a same dream. It can actually connect you. Cause it's funny, because I'm like, my purpose in life is not to get them to like my outfit. My purpose in life is to walk and get this dream of reaching our city and maybe get into our province and our nation together. I don't like my outfit or not. Let's go. You know? Conflict. See, when you come to church, you start as a spectator and you start as kind of a consumer. We're trying to get you hooked on a dream. Because people who have a dream can sacrifice anything. But you know what society has done right now? Society has caused us to... I feel somebody's marriage right now. You're spending all of your time trying to Agree with each other. When you're not getting along, do you know where your time is better spent? What are you dreaming about together? Because when I get down here, then it's like, well, I got to get her to agree with me and I got to get her to, you know, what's better is aligning to a dream that God gave you. You might not even have a dream for your life yet that God gave you. You're spending all your time just trying to get everybody like get along with each other and like, Who cares if you get along if you didn't go anywhere? If you didn't climb a mountain together, if you didn't fight a fight together, if you didn't reach anybody and help anybody, who cares if you got along? You didn't do anything and you were made to do something. Are you somebody who won't obey God until you have all the information? I was talking to a a support staff of a great church, great support staff, and I'm talking to them they're a little frustrated because their lead pastor won't give them all the information to something. And I said, what do you think it's like to be him? You know, I'm a lead pastor. I'm like, what do you think it's like to be him? I said, do you think that God gives the person in charge all the information? We're we're studying Joshua and the walls of Jericho. I'm like, you'll see the information God gave him, but it wasn't all the information. Do you know that if God gave you all the information, it would blow your tiny brain up and you would screw it up? God says, my thoughts aren't your thoughts. Like your thoughts are like very basic (laughs) and screwed up. God's like, I can bless you if you obey. Well, God, I want to know the whole information. I want to know, you know, teenagers like, well, my parents don't share all the financial information with me. That's because you eat the finances. (laughs) You don't give anything yet. So just take out the trash. I'm working this. I like making fun of teenagers. (laughs) What do you think a pastor's life is like? You know, so I asked the the volunteers to have like, you think that God gives us all the information? I mean, try counseling somebody in their marriage. Like you hear one story and you're like, Oh, that, that makes sense. Like, Oh wow. That other person's a horrible monster. Then you talk to the horrible monster and you're like, I don't even think they're married to each other. (laughs) Like that's not the same story at all. Nothing about it's the same. Do you think helping people in the midst of sin and twistedness? Do you think that we get the information? Do you think that Tuesday, Monday is our Sabbath. Do you think that Tuesday morning, Gabriel the angel brings the dream board down while I'm starting to work on my sermon? And God's like, Corey, let's brainstorm. Like, look, you're smart, I'm smart. And I say something and God is like, oh my goodness. That was so smart. You should write your own Bible. Literally, that is life-changing. That just changed my life. <laughs> this is how my sermon prep goes. I get 1% on Tuesday. And it takes me about two hours. I got like, okay, where do you want me to go? Is there a scripture you want me to preach? Is there a story that I can kind of tie tension to create? And then like Tuesday, Wednesday. Wednesday I come in and I'm just kind of getting a little more then I'm starting to understand Wednesday that I don't really understand the sermon. But Thursday, I'm like, okay, it's going good. Thursday, I'm like, this is a good sermon. This is a great sermon. This is the best sermon I've, I've ever preached. Friday, I'm like, this is the worst sermon I'm ever going to preach. I don't understand it. I thought that I did. See, because sermons aren't like just preaching something that's clever. There's about three layers down that if I don't get you there, your life is not going to change. And then who cares? Then we just got along with each other and it sounded great. I've, I've tried to preach nice sermons. I can't. And you're like, you haven't tried. I'm like, well, not very hard. (laughs) Why? Because we've got something to do. We've got a good fight to fight. We've got a mountain to climb. I'm going to sit there like, hey, everything's great. Just like keep doing what you're doing. Like, no, man, you are the people of God. You can do it. There's something that society won't challenge you. And like, hey, you need the best version of you to do the best version of what God has for you. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday morning, I'm like, well, I guess this is what I got. But I'm starting to understand that I'm starting to look back through my failure in the week and realizing, oh, God was trying to preach it to me. And by Saturday, I think I kind of got it. Look, if you never fail, you don't need a sermon, do you? This would explain your last week and your next week, by the way. Unity. It begins where agreement ends. I've never had all the information about any decision I've ever made in the church or in my home. How do you make decisions? Pastor, you have a high success rate of decisions. Jesus help. I don't know what to do. Go over and talk to Aaron Edwards today just fire him a text. I'm like why? And God's like, just fire him a text. Okay. Okay. You find out like, oh, he's had a bad week of work. Oh, that was encouraging. Okay. Look, you can be smart or you can win but you're not really that smart. So I'd rather just, all right. There are walls in relationships. See, Joshua follows the plan and the walls go down. There's walls in your relationships right now that are up because you're trying to get everybody to agree with you. That's not the, the point. Every relationship needs to have a purpose and a reason and a vision and a dream. It is supposed to accomplish something or why are you in it? Stop working on getting along, start working on the dream if you get your eyes up off of the other person, you can get your eyes on where you're supposed to be going, then you'll realize that this stuff doesn't matter as much as you think it does, and God can work it out as you go. Your wife agreeing with you won't make you happy. Climbing a mountain with her will. See, until the, until the individual, everything in society right now is about the individual, but until the individual picks up the vision that God has for you, you're going to want everybody else to sacrifice bunt just to get you on base. But what you're not going to care about is losing. You just want to get on base. You're like, what are you talking about? Baseball. Anybody watch baseball still? What are you all into? Video games. Two people watch baseball. Probably Dustin. Baseball. What is this baseball year? My dad had a baseball coach one time and he said the baseball coach signaled for the kid walking up to the plate to do a sacrifice uh, bunt. Do you know what that is? So there's a runner on base and a sacrifice bunt means like you hit it, the pitcher or the back catcher picks it up and throws you out at first. So you get to go back to the bench, but you advanced a runner, right? Because in baseball, it doesn't matter if you get somebody on base, it only matters if they come home. And so this kid steps up. He didn't want to bunt. He doesn't want to go out. He wants to get on base and he swings and he happens to hit a triple, which means he's on third base and he actually drove a run home. Coach walks up to him, probably in front of the dugout and says, if you ever hit a triple when you're told to sacrifice bunt, you won't play again. Think about football. If this is all about you, you're going to lose because the devil has 11 players and there's one of you. So it doesn't matter. Like you're going to trick him. You're going to like shoulder shake. You're going to like throw it to yourself. He's got it covered. You're going to get QB sacked every single time by the nose tackle. Nobody else even has to tackle you. You're not that complicated, but I would rather listen. You're going to get tackled, but I'd rather like tackle. So maybe you can get through. I don't mind getting tackled if somebody moves a ball up the field. I don't mind getting tackled if somebody slips through and scores a touchdown. I'll get tackled for that. But everybody now wants the football. Like Everybody's like, hey, I'm a team player as long as I get to be the quarterback. You know, How much do you invest in the team, though? Does the team know that you'll stay on the wall when it gets hard? Does the team know that you'll show up to church and serve in your spot when it gets difficult, when you don't feel great? That we'll give when we don't think we can. Well, we'll fight when we don't feel like it. Because we're not fighting for us anymore. We're fighting for you. And if I go down, then you're going down. And that's something I can't live with. Now, the devil wants you to think you can keep all your opinions and win the war. Watch this. The only way for you to win... It's for the team to win. That's the only way for you to win, is if your team wins. When your team wins, you'll win. You're like, well, but God, I mean, God is like, if your team wins, you'll win. If you help people find their purpose, I'll make sure you find your purpose. If you help people come and get forgiven and healed of their past, I'll make sure that that happens to you as you help the other people. See, people with no dream fight their own team. This is why it might've kept you out of church a long time because grandma's church was full of a bunch of old gossipy church people. Come on, church people say amen. amen. They get weird because you are built to fight. And if you're not engaging the enemy sooner or later, you're going to start engaging the people sitting beside you in your own home. That's why you're the worst at home. It's easier to hit somebody that's supposed to act like Jesus. You are made to fight. And if you're not fighting the devil, you will start fighting the people around you. You will start engaging. You'll start tackling your own teammates. So you can get on base. Now, how does God, it is good preaching. Thank you, Layden. Thank you. Was that you that said that? It was you said that. You like this shirt? What do you guys think of this shirt? What do you say? You like Blue? But that's not saying you like this shirt. <laughs> Can we just stretch out our hands? Lord, we forgive certain unnamed members in the church for hurting the pastor's feelings. How does God coordinate an offense? How does God cause your team to win? There's a clear goal line. And there's all this talk right now about like, my truth is this and my truth is that and my truth is whatever. And my tr- Okay, two opposing ideas can't both equally be true, right? So two plus two equals four or it equals five, but it can't be both. If you think that that's logical, please stop talking just generally (laughs) two opposing ideas. Can't both equally be true. Truth is truth. There's no your truth and my truth and this truth. There's opinions. Paint your door red, Eric, paint it blue. I don't care. That's not your truth. My truth is that my door is red. What are you talking about? Truth. It's just paint. It's just a decision. It's a shirt that I chose to wear because it's blue. There's so many things. You need a clear goal line. This is what we're doing right now in society. It's like, hey, just take this uh, line chalk and just paint it wherever you want it. That's your goal line. The trouble is you cross your little goal line all the time, but the, the scoreboard's not going up. It's not moving because that's not the goal line that God had for you. You don't get any points for like, you're not even on the field. You're in the bathroom. You like got this thing painted. You're like, ooh, look at me. Look at me. And the devil's like, I don't care. You can cross the goal line in the bathroom all you like. Nobody cares. You're not scoring any points against the devil. You need a clear goal line. Then you need clear playbooks. And that is the rules of engagement. You need a clear goal. This is where we're going as a family. Does your family even know? This is where we're going. This is our purpose. It's to help the next family. And it's to help them like this. Here's our rules of engagement. This is what we're allowed to do. This is what we're not allowed to do. And we're not the referee here because we won't call our own fouls. That's all I'm going to say. We have our iPods. This is what you're allowed to do, small group leaders. This is how you are allowed to do this. This is not your small group. This is our small group. This is not my small group. This is God's small group. We're going to take care of these people. All right. The next thing you need to learn is the audible. This is a clear in-play calling. When the, when the quarterback is getting ready, you guys watch football? Somebody watch football? It's like, okay, 43, 43, San Francisco. What he's calling is like, he's seeing how they're formed. He sees a blitz coming. Oh, how many events have we planned a church and we see a blitz coming and we're like, okay, it's over the top." You got to like call it quick. You got to go. But here's what, what else you got to learn how to do in your family and in your home and in your business is you got to learn how to call an audible and everybody's got to snap and go and the play changes as it's happening and everybody got to do their job. You can't just be like, well, I'm going to tackle according to this other play that I have in my head that worked last time where I got to score the touchdown. God, God's like, well, your QB just got sacked seven times in a row because you're running the play that got you the touchdown, but nobody else is running that play. I mean, church, if we're good at anything, it is sneaking people through to the touchdown line, and our touchdown line is a life saved is worth everything. We just snuck one in this morning. Devil didn't even know he was gone. We're like, oh, we saw the gap. We got it. Joshua chapter 6, the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its kings, and all its strong warriors. So you got to understand that Jericho is stronger than a ragtag bunch of slaves. The enemy you're facing is stronger than you. You'd better have God on your team. You'd better have God calling the play. But this is the play. Jericho must fall. Somebody's facing a Jericho right now. There's no future until that Goliath goes down. He's just going to sit there and taunt you. It's your past somebody. I don't know what it is for you. It's an addiction. You can do this, but you can't do it the way that you've been trying to fight it because you think it's your wife's fault. You think that's why you don't feel fulfilled. Look, having a spouse that's a pain in the neck can't keep you from your destiny. You think that one teenager can keep you from your destiny. You think that God's that small. You think one addiction can keep you from here? Come on, somebody. God is bigger than that. We just got to learn how to hear the play. Jericho must fall. Okay. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. And Joshua was like, okay, this is the playbook, but I don't think you know how walls work. You march around it. So you, know, you don't know what this means. So this is like God, God is saying, hey, I want to give you a new car. So uh, drive your current piece of garbage around the the car wash for six days. And you're like, that's not how car washes work. Right? Is this making sense? Well, it's not supposed to make sense. Wrong. It's a terrible plan. Like God, how can giving a 10th of my income to the local house that saves people to the church? How can that increase the 90% that doesn't make good math. And God's like, that doesn't make good English or math. And I made both. And 90% with me goes way further than 100% with you. Like, if I explained it to you and got out like the finger puppets, you wouldn't get that either. And you still keep it. Do you want the miracle? you want to win or not? Okay, so walk around this. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. Can you imagine if, if you're like on Jericho? This is a fortified city. This is a big deal back then. And you watch... These idiots blowing a bunch of trumpets. You're like, they're just going to walk around us? Like stand on the roof of the car wash and be like, now they just gave seven people tambourines. And they're just going to town in front of this car that's doing a slow drive-by. And they want my car that's inside, but that's not how car washes work. I mean, it makes no sense at all. On the seventh day, you are to march around it, seven, drive around that car wash seven times. Everybody shaking that tambourine. We used to have tambourines. Did you ever come from a... Our church used to have tambourines. We used to have four tambourine ladies that went to town. We don't have those anymore. The tambourines lady came to me and said, I don't know where my tambourine is. And I'm like, somebody must have put it away maybe. It wasn't a lie. Somebody put it away where it needed to be. (laughs) March around seven times. When you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can. So this is like, okay, so seven times, It's the last day, we're going to go around seven times. Everybody shake that tambourine. And, And the last time, shake the tambourines and just lean on the horn and have everybody scream at the top of their lungs too. See, you want the plan where you come out looking dignified, where you come out looking like the amazing dad. Look, either God's parenting your kids or you are. So, I don't care if I look like a good dad to the world. I don't care if I look like a good dad to my kids. I don't care if I look like a good dad to you. I care that God is my kid's dad. I care that by the time they get out of my house, they love Jesus. And they have a great relationship with God. That's all I care about. Why? Because I care about their destiny and I care about their goal line. I don't care about if you think that I made a bad play. Get around that thing. Then the walls of the town will collapse and you can walk in and get your, the car wash is going to fall down and you can just go in and get your car, your Ferrari. It's in there. Just lean on that horn real hard. That'll do it. Uh, Aaron's uncle had a supervisor. They took his truck one time and they wired his truck horn to the brakes. (laughs) And his first trip through town, there was like a hundred year old lady walking across uh, a crosswalk with a walker. Look, Christian, you're going to look like an idiot, but you can get a touchdown looking like an idiot. Come on, you're clapping for looking like an idiot. That's pretty good. So Joshua called together the priests and said, Take the ark of the Lord's covenant and assign seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. So now we've got the, we've got the goal line. Jericho must fall. Now we've got the playbook. Okay, this is crazy, but this is what God wants you to do. Then he gave orders to the people, march around the town. Okay, this is the playbook. Then he says in verse 10, do not shout, do not even talk. Not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout, then shout. Now we don't see that God told him to say this, right? So this is when pastor is running a play and we see a blitz coming. And where I'm like, okay, be very careful that you do this and you don't do this. Be very, very careful that you don't watch, don't talk, don't say a word, don't open it in your dang mouth. Why? Because Joshua's entire generation wouldn't shut up in the wilderness and he buried every one of them. Joshua and Caleb, the only guys at Jericho. He's like, I know you Israelites. You can't take that slave mentality, that complaining, that victim mentality. you can't take this into war. Don't open your mouth. Keep the fear inside until God can deal with it. I don't mean you don't tell your accountability partner. I mean, you don't tell everybody and freak everybody out. If you're a little crazy about something, why don't you read the word and worship? Why don't you pray in tongues a little bit and get your Holy Ghost on? So God can keep the crazy inside until it's not crazy anymore. You just like vomit crazy on everybody all the time and Facebook and like. We used to have a saying like, you got to keep the smoke inside the motor. I mean, it was an electrician, right? Keep it inside the motor. You heard this? And once you let it out, it's no good. Once you let the crazy out, it's no good. You're not going to have any friends. Sorry. That's for free. <laughs> this is where I'll say something very specifically. This sounds sort of funny or your small group leader and be like, Hey, I know you cause I know Canadians and my generation. We lost our war. It's not going to happen again. Not on my watch. We lost the war. We lost the war cause we didn't structure churches. Right? We forgot why we were there. Our parents' generation, not my parents, but our parents' generation forgot why church existed and it wasn't about the people inside, it was about the people outside. And we forgot our mission. We forgot that if there's no adoption, then it doesn't matter. We forgot it's about people who are lost. Come on up, worship. On the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn, marched around the town. This time they went around it seven times. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, shout, shout. For the Lord has given you the town. Now, this is pent up frustration and fear. They have kept their opinions quiet long enough for God to redeem their minds and their hearts. And they have unity because they just did what God through Joshua told them to do. And they were unified. Nobody opened their mouths. They were unified. God's like, I can pour a move of God out on these people. I can do a move on these people because they're not going to think it's them. There comes a time when somebody here has been dealing with great fear for a long time. And today God is like, I want you to open your mouth when I tell you to open your mouth. And you can let the frustration out there, but you need to give it to me now. It needs to be mine now. This burden needs to be mine now. Your kids need to be mine now. Your marriage needs to be mine. Your finances need to be mine. My shoulders bore a cross. Your shoulders can't even take your own troubles. Give it to me. Just be my child. Just do what I ask you to do. When the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. Everybody got Ferraris. The walls of Jericho collapsed and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. I just want to ask you a question. Why did you start coming to church when you came the first time? Why did you come? I don't think that you came because you're like, you know what? I love seeing a parking lot team out there. I love being directed to my parking spot. I love, that's why I came. Somebody could tell me where to park. I love coming in the front door because people are smiling and I love being served. I love coming and sitting in a chair that somebody else paid for while my kids are with people who are volunteering their time over there so that I can be free at last. I don't think you came in so somebody else could pay the heating bill. I don't think that you came in to be served. I think you came in because deep down beneath all the pain in the past and all of your mistakes, you still thought that your life might matter to somebody else. And that there's still a fight in you somewhere. And there's still a dream that God might speak to you if you showed up at his house. And all the fight you have with your addiction, you still secretly think that God is going to use that to turn it around in somebody else's life before they even get there. You matter. You knew you were special before you walked in here. You suspected it, but nobody ever told you. I'm telling you. You have something special that we need in this city. And if you don't bring it, we might miss it. And if you don't bring it, somebody's not going to heaven. There's something that only you can do that God made you for. In spite of all your mistakes and all your sin. Don't try to figure it out. Don't wait for all the information. Just start. Don't try to figure it out in your calendar. Scan the QR code. Sign up. Start and let God worry about it your schedule let God worry about all your opinions about sexuality let God worry about your kids let God worry about everything in your life because he is able see with you it's impossible but with God nothing is impossible we're going to sing about the name of Jehovah and Jehovah has specific names for specific needs and Jehovah Nisi is the Lord, our banner, the God who fights for you, the God who gets to your teenager's room when you have to have that hard conversation, but God is there ahead of you, softening that hard ground. Jehovah Jireh, who provides all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Jehovah Rapha, who heals your body. Jehovah Rapha, who heals depression. Jehovah Rapha, who takes suicidal thoughts and says, I am here for a purpose and I cannot leave this earth until I help somebody else. (laughs) Jehovah Shalom, who is the Lord our peace. I want to end on a celebratory note. I want to end praising God because I think as we praise, I think that those chains and the burdens are going to fall off of you. Don't walk out with the same burden that you came in with.